warfare. But I kind of want to bring it around um, and talk about it maybe from a different side or a different angle this morning. And uh, most of the time when you, when you hear the book of Revelation mentioned or you go to read the book of Revelation, what do you think about? Anyone think like spooky, eerie stuff? End times? We win, the dragon. Jesus coming back. Yeah, there's a lot of different ideas about the book of Revelation. Some are good, some are not so good. Some are theologically sound, some are not theologically sound. And I don't want to say go, get into a lot of the, the deeper theological stuff of premillennialism or post or A, or there's, there's a couple other theories and different things like that. But you're gonna, I am going to hit subtly on a couple things. But I was just thinking, you know, it's Memorial Day weekend, and, and when we think about Memorial Day, we, we're, we're remembering those who have given their life in battle um, on, on the war fronts and, and even not always on the war fronts, sometimes behind the scenes and trainings and stuff such as that. But I also think about victory. I think about soldiers who have gone out and, and they've won. I mean, World War I, World War II, you know, different, different places, you know, Afghanistan, Iraq, where, where we've gone and, and we, there's been victory along the way. And so part of Memorial Day is, is remembering what sacrifice has been given so that we may have victory. And I was thinking about this, victory within the church is not something that we talk about a lot. I mean, we sing about it a little bit. We talk about it in, in an indirect way. We talk more about grace and love and mercy and salvation and things like this. But the victory that we have in Christ, we don't always talk about. Yeah, we'll say Jesus is coming back one day. We may read the book of Revelation. I think a couple of you said you think about Jesus Lord, Jesus coming, Jesus wins in the end and all that. But I was thinking this week about victory in Jesus. I don't know if anyone grew up singing that song or not. I grew up Episcopalian. That was not in our hymn book. And I remember going to my grandma's church, and they pulled that song out, and I was like, I like this song, and I like it so much. I even told Carrie, I said, when I pass, this is a song I want sung in, 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 my, in my funeral because I think it's one of those that just kind of sums up so much stuff. And just the first line or first chorus, first verse, whatever it is, it says, I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, then I, then I repented of my sins and won the victory. And I just think that's so true, that victory is in Christ. Victory in this world, victory, the things that we, we go through is in Christ. Christ is the victor. And we may not see it here on this side of eternity. We may see a glimpse of it, or we may not see any of it. But at the end, Christ is victorious. And I want to talk along those lines this morning, especially as we get into the book of Revelation um, you know, I like sports, and, and one thing I've, I've noticed in sports is many times there's a team that dominates. You know, offensively, they're, they're flowing quite smooth, and, and they're doing a lot of things. And I've seen this a lot with, like, the Tar Heels, where they look like they're dominating, but then you look up at the scoreboard, and they're really losing, or they're not dominating. You're like, what, what's going on here? You know, offense is going well, defense is going well, all the things are going well. And you look, and the other team is winning, and you say, Okay, how is that possible? Maybe it's the other team's strategy is to wear down that one team. And I was thinking about this in regards to what goes on in our daily lives. And it seems like many times the evilness in the world, the enemy, whatever, however you want to package that, the wickedness of this age, it seems like it's winning many times. When you, when you turn on the news, you hear thing after thing after thing, school shootings, different things along the line. And it's like, God, are we going to win? God, do you win? You may have those thoughts in your mind wondering, Christ, 
what is going on? Does good really trump evil? And the answer is yes. And so what appears many times in front of our eyes is not really the truth. We have to hold to the word knowing that Jesus Christ is victorious. He is the victor. And so as we get into the book of Revelation, that's what I want to really look at this morning. We're not going to look at it long. But in the book of Revelation, there's really kind of a twofold purpose John's writing. He's writing to the seven churches and he's telling them you will face hardship. He puts it out there. You will face trials. You will face uh, tribulation, I think, is the word that's used most often within the book of of Revelation. But the second part of this, that Jesus is the victor. And many times we divide the book of Revelation up into three parts. The first three chapters, the letters to the seven churches, and then usually from chapter 4, maybe through chapter 19, this great battle and stuff that's going on. And then the end, which is the picture of, of heaven, the new heaven and the new earth. But really, Revelation all solidifies or builds up from seven, the, the letter to the seven churches. And this is that encouragement that continues to flow to the seven churches throughout the, the chapters. And, and, and John is writing saying, look, you're going to face hardship, but Christ is victorious. In fact, John has gone through his own tribulation. He says in verse 9 of chapter 1, and I think we have this one. It says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation, kingdom and endurance that are in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of God's word and testimony about Jesus. Now, I believe, and this is, this is where we may differ a little theologically in some ways, and it's fine, but I believe Revelation has an early date. I mean, there's, there's a late date idea that was written maybe close to 90 A.D., or there's an earlier date. I believe it was written in the earlier date, 68, 69 A.D., and it sets forth how you interpret the book of Revelation as well. With it being an earlier date, what was going on in Jerusalem in, in the mid-60s was there a lot of persecution upon the church. And, and were you reading the book of Acts that the persecution was so heavy that the Christians began to leave Jerusalem, which was a good thing, because then they began to go out and spread the gospel in different areas. Now, John left Jerusalem, ended up in Ephesus. And the Romans came and got John, came and got a number of Christian leaders and said, look, you're not contributing to the stability of society. And so as a result, we were going to exile you. We're going to arrest you. We're going to, there's a lot of different things. Some people got killed as a result. John was put on the island of Patmos and, and kept there in exile for a while. Eventually came back to Ephesus and, and continued to help build the church and so forth. But we know it when he was on this island, he got this vision, this, this vision of the revelation of God, speaking about some of the things that were going to happen in Jerusalem, some of the things that were going to happen in the next little while. And he writes this letter to the seven churches, basically. And he begins to tell them, look, you are facing hardship, but Christ is the victor. Christ is the one that's going to triumph. And and, and in these letters of the seven churches, two of the churches are doing everything right. Philadelphia and Smyrna, um, there's really nothing negative said about them. Now, the other five, he says, look, you've entertained false teaching. You've entertained ways of the world, materialism. You've done these things. But it doesn't mean the victory is not yours if you will repent and change your ways. And so as we look at some of this this morning, there's the kind of the twofold part of this. There's outside stuff that comes at us in terms of tribulation and trials and challenges and stuff. It just happens. It's the world. It's the evilness of the world. It's the enemy that does that. But then there's some stuff that we're also responsible for. I would say it's kind of more your stuff or our stuff, stuff that we can control in some ways. It's how we relate to God. It's how we build our relationship with God. It's, um, it's how we continue to hold on to our hope. It's how we have a perspective of certain things that are not there. And some of the tribulation that we may attribute 
to the outside world is really brought upon ourselves by our own actions. Because to the letter to the Laodiceans, he's telling them, look, you're lukewarm. To, to, to one of the other churches, he's saying, look, you've entertained false teachers. You've, you've allowed the spirit of Jezebel to come in. And there's some things that have happened. And he's saying, repent, change, and go forth in a new way. So I think there's a twofold thing he's saying even to us as we, we make this relatable is there's stuff in the world that we can look at can get us down and hopeless and say, well, I don't know if I want to live tomorrow or move forward or, or even get out of bed the next day. And God's saying, I am victorious. Jesus is saying, I am victorious. But there's also some things in our own heart and our own actions that need to be changed as well. And so I want to look at that as, as we go forth. You know, one thing I was thinking about in regards to Memorial Day is some of the different battles that took place in history. And, and the Battle of the Bulge kind of came to mind. And, and I'm not a great historian. I know I have Andrew here, and even my son knows a lot of history uh, that I don't know. But, you know, Battle of the Bulge basically was the last uh, Nazi-German effort to break through the Western Front, to retake the Western Front. So you had American troops or Allied troops, not just American but British and others, who were thinly supplied, they were, thinly, uh, they were thinned out in different ways, and they were tired. And, and the Germans brought a lot of different troops um, in. And at first, they were kind of winning, but the, the Allies were holding the line. And, and I don't know if you've ever seen Band of Brothers um, or anything along those lines. That's some of my history right there. But it, but it does give you a perspective. It's cold. It's winter. Then the foxholes are getting shelled every day. And you think about, man, I would just want to quit to be in a warm home with a nice buffet and all these different things. It would be easy to say, okay, we quit. But there was a mission that was before them. And they held to that mission. And many times as believers... As we go through life, we don't always suffer maybe like the early church did or even churches that might be in, in North Korea or Middle East or, or Africa and different places. But there's this times that we just want to quit sometimes on our faith or, or even believing in the goodness of God or the trust of God. But we do have a mission before us. Just as we said or some of you said here in the beginning is Christ wins. We know Christ wins. We know the end of the story. How we walk out through it may not always be the way we want it or the way we expect it, but Christ wins. And there is no promise that we're going to have the easy life. Jesus said in Matthew 24, you will face, I mean, he's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem and things coming up. John 17, what we looked at a month or so ago, Jesus' prayer said, you will, you know, talking about the disciples in the world, they will face hardship. We will face hardship. And so as, as we go through the book of Revelation here, just some of the things going on in the churches. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. He's telling the church, do not be afraid. This is the church, um, this is the Smyrna. Do not be afraid about what you're to suffer. I tell you, the devil puts some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Now, I don't know if anyone has ever had the devil come and, and persecute them or, or, or tempt them, but you know, I heard someone say one time, if the devil's coming at you, you've been doing something pretty serious. Usually it's some of his cohorts that might be coming at you. Revelation uh, chapter 2, verse 13, to one of the other churches, he says, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Now, Antipas, we don't know a lot about him, but probably was a Roman um, Greek who, who, who converted to Christianity at some point. And as a result of his 
changed life. He didn't bow down to some of the statues of Caesar and, and give his allegiance to Caesar, but, but he held true to Christ, and as a result, he was killed. And so these are things that were going on. And so here's a saint who's doing the right stuff, who gets killed. How does that begin to affect the church? You know, it, it obviously puts fear within the church. Maybe people want to say, I want to take my foot off the gas and not necessarily do the things that that person did so I don't have to go through the same fate. Or maybe it stirs faith to do the same thing. Uh, chapter 3 of Revelation, as Paul's writing to, um, to Philadelphia, he says, I know your deeds. See, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, that you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Again, it's a, it's a word of encouragement, but yet Philadelphia's gone through some stuff, some persecution. They have little strength as a result. And maybe this is the way we feel sometimes. You know, obviously there's things that go on in culture around us that make no sense at all, that, that a lot of us, you in culture, face, and, and, and you scratch your head day in and day out saying, why? Why does this repeat day after day after day? Why, why is there fear? Why, I don't even have the strength to get up and move forward. God, is there going to be breakthrough and victory? Are we going to see the goodness? Are we going to see your kingdom expand? Are we going to see the glory and the peace and all these things? All this stuff probably goes through our hearts and minds at times. And what Jesus is saying is the theme, that he is one and that he continues to fight you know, Paul writes with a theology of the already and not, or not yet already, meaning that, that we have some of it already. We've seen a glimpse, a, sli a sliver of God's goodness and glory and all that, but we haven't seen the fullness of it yet. We have seen and we know God wins, and we see slivers, we see pieces, we see parts, but the fullness of the victory, we have not really come into it yet. And, and, um, but yeah, he wants us to persevere and hold true as we push forward in, in our day-to-day -day life with him. So how does all this relate to us? I mean, I hit on it a little bit already, but I just want to talk about how it does relate to us. You know, if you read a lot of different commentary, sometimes people look at the seven churches and say these seven churches represent seven different historical time periods in the church, meaning that maybe the church of Philadelphia was from the second century to the fifth century. Maybe Laodicea is a time of church history that we're in now. I don't believe that necessarily. I believe the seven churches represent seven main church types in any time of history. Because if you look around now, you have some churches that are facing material temptations maybe. You have some churches that are lukewarm and some churches that have allowed false teachings to come in or they haven't stood against them in the way that they need to. And, and there's certain things that, that come as a result of that. I believe in some ways the church in America is more of a lukewarm or even there's been some false teaching that has come in. But regardless, what Christ tells us is that if we will stand and resist against the things of the outside world and we will take care of the things that are there within our own hearts and our own minds, then Christ will be victorious and we will see that victory. Look at some of the things that he writes to the churches in chapter 2, verse 7. He says, anyone who has ears should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. I will give the victor the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in God's paradise. Verse 10, which we've already read, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. Look, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison to test you. and You will have affliction for 10 days, but be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Verse 17, anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. I will give the victor some of the hidden manna. Uh, chapter 3, verse 5 says, In the same way, the victor will be dressed in white clothes. 
Verse 12, the victor, I will make him a pillar in the sanctuary of my God. And verse 21, the victor, I will give him the right to sit with me on my throne. Each of these, the victor is written to the churches, the seven churches. You would think, obviously, to the two, they're doing everything right, but also to the five who need to change and tweak a few things. He's saying the victor will come. The victor here uh, in the Greek comes from uh, nikau, the, the Greek word nikau. Now, some of you might be wearing a symbol of this today because there's an athletic company called Nike that this comes from. The Latinization or the Romanization or the Englishization, I don't know what it is. But Nike, basically, Nikau is derived from it, and it means victorious to overcome, triumph, or to conquer. And if you think about this, this is who we are, to the victor. The letter that has been written to us as well, because we are the living church, is that we are the victor as Christ empowers us. And no matter what tribulation we face, no matter what trials we face, no matter what challenges we face, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He went to the cross. He laid his life down for us so we may have the victory. Doesn't mean everything's going to be easy, fine, and dandy. But as we face different things, whether it be a giant, whether it be hardship, whether it's the victory itself, the, the, the breakthrough, Christ is the one who's given us the, the victorious, triumphant, conquering victory, the one that overcomes. You know, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. This means that when we don't get our will, but God's working his will, means he's still victorious. It means that God is working out his plan, and many times we're not always so in tune with it, but we must recorrect so we become in tune with it. I was thinking about you know, when, when Carrie and I are in the car driving, she never asked me why I'm going down this road and not that road. Now, she's not the greatest with directions. She'll tell you that. But she just knows that I know where we're always going, that I've either planned it out or I've been there before or I'll figure it out. She'll never say, hey, you should have gone that way. And a lot of times with God, we're saying, God, you need to go that way. We need to go this way. We need to go that way. And God's like, no, just trust me because victory belongs to me. Yes, some of the stuff may not make sense right now. Some of the things may, may not look like it's going the right way, but it is. John says in 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, victory comes in believing in Christ Jesus. And so that for us as Christians, there is a call to persevere in the face of all things, not to give up, not to let our foot off the gas. Paul says to, to, in one of his letters, I believe to the Corinthians, hey, you're running the race, who cut in on you? That we're continue to run and fight as if to get the crown of life. But many times for us, it's easy to get discouraged. And I was thinking about this in regards to identity. We talked about identity in Christ a few weeks ago, a month or so ago, or, or maybe first of the year, I can't remember. And one thing I said is we forget who we are in Christ too many times. We forget that we're sons and daughters of the God that we were saying about this morning. We forget that we're his workmanship. We forget that we have purpose, that we have calling, that we have all these things. And, and when we forget our identity, it affects how we live our lives. And many times when we forget that Christ is victorious, that he's the victor, that he's the one who triumphs, the one that overcomes, when we forget that, then the world begins to win because the world begins to, to shine all this false gold and different things. And, and we're like, whoa, you know, the world is coming to the end. Maybe there's things that I need to do in my own strength or my own ways. 
But Christ wants us to hold to him and be reminded that it is through Christ Jesus that the victory comes. It is through us having the ability to praise him in the face of all things. That's one reason why I wanted us to do this this morning because we need to praise him. We need to be reminded of who he is because when we praise him, it puts our focus back upon him. And John's really writing to the seven churches saying, let me show you what's getting ready to happen. And that's what chapter 4 through chapter 19 really shows is this, this heavenly battle, this battle that takes place, a spiritual battle. But there's going to be persecution, there's going to be hardship, there's going to be trials. Do not give up. Do not quit. Do not give up on God. Do not quit upon God. Because when we get to the end, when you look at the end of Revelation, there's a new heaven and a new earth. There's, there's victory that comes forth. And the churches, the seven churches in the, in the book of Revelation, you know, they, they may not exist today, but they're seeds that came out of that, that we're part of that. And we still have that victory. And so I want to encourage you, as you face maybe physical uh, difficulties or challenges, don't give up. Maybe there's emotional stuff that you're going through and you're dealing with. Don't give up. There's cultural stuff and, and stuff in society that, that just blows our minds many times. Don't give up because Christ is working and we hold to him. We continue to hold to him. We will see the victory. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that the